Welcome to Durham Consult on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matthew Keller, and I'm back with my fellow ReachMD host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, for part two of our discussion on Bedside Manor. Michael, welcome back. And would you mind giving our listeners a quick refresher on your experience? Sure, Matthew. Let's review a little bit from part one. We discussed that presence is the greatest gift that we give to our patients, that the the way to patient satisfaction and your own happiness in practice is to make yourself present, actually be in that room, be listening to patients' fears, be aware of what they're going through, and make sure that you respond to all the questions they have that start, I'm scared that even if they're actually not asking them, but put yourself in their place. 100%. I think, you know, it was a great segment. I think you summarized it really well. So now I'd like to begin by focusing on difficult patients. How do you deal with them when they are angry or frustrated? Well, first of all, we have a lot of patients while we're in this pandemic who are angry and frustrated. And I think unless they're angry with us specifically because we're running 40 minutes late, I think you need to take time to acknowledge that. Say, listen, you seem upset. You seem angry. You seem scared. Whatever it is, give them a chance to express it because it gets them out of their head. And half the time you'll find that they're not really angry with you. So that's the first thing. It's not about you. And the second thing is let them tell you why they're angry. Let them tell you why they're frustrated and listen carefully and don't be defensive. Don't try and defend yourself. If you're running 30 minutes late and they're angry, say, yes, I am. I'm terribly sorry. This is why. And you know I won't rush you. And once in a while, when I'm really running late, I will waive patients' copays. I'll say, you know what? You're not paying a copay today. I talk to my residents a lot, my trainees, about when a patient is angry with you 95% of the time, it's not you. They're projecting that on you or onto the visit, or they just need to get it off their chest because there's something else going on. And I can't tell you the number of times I invite people to tell me why they're angry or frustrated, and it's not involving anything to deal with their visit or their disease. It's because their mom's in the hospital. They're going through a divorce. Their child is having trouble at school. Whatever it happens to be, as you pointed out with coronavirus, that's another layer on top of it. I always tell the residents that until you invite them to share those frustrations with you, neither of you can really be fully present with the visit. Right. And it's interesting. Sometimes what they're frustrated or angry about, you may be too. When patients come in, we have to remember we're the only human face they see in the whole healthcare system. They don't see anybody from pharma. They don't see anybody from the hospital. They don't see anybody from the lab. They see us. So when their medications run $400, we're the ones who get blamed and yelled at. And I think that's really important to tell my patients, you know what? I'm a patient too. And I have the same situation when I go to buy my medications. So acknowledging their anger and acknowledging that they may be projecting their anger at other things going on in the healthcare system on us say, yep, I agree. I'm a patient too. This is not my fault. And I wish I could change it for you. Yeah, I think those are spectacular points. Now, on the flip side, what do you do when you're frustrated with a patient during a visit? Well, the first thing I do is I continue to take deep breaths because I often get frustrated with a patient because they're not listening. Here's an example. They've got eczema, and a patient will ask, well, does food have anything to do with this? I'll go, probably not. And they'll, well, how about does the fact that I have a dog, whatever the questions are, they keep asking them over and over again, and I keep answering. And finally, after the third or fourth time they ask the same question, I go, hey, stop, let me ask you something. I've answered this question four times, which tells me that I'm either 
not giving you a clear answer that you understand, which is my responsibility, please help me, or you're not listening. Which is it? Because I'm really not going to answer this a fifth time until we clear that up. I say it lovingly, I say it direct, but it's the truth. I'm sure you've had that experience where the same question is asked 20 times over and over again. So that's the first type of frustration I have. The second type of frustration I have is when patients just are dead set on not listening. They went to Google, they know that what they have is psoriasis, even though it may be something totally different, and you have to talk them out of it. And at that point, I'll say, listen, here's the deal. You have a choice. You can see me or you can see Dr. Google. But Dr. Google is not going to get you the prescription you need. So really, I don't want you going there because all you do is build up fear. And by the way, whatever the problem is, let's say they have rosacea. I'll say there is a place I want you to go to the internet. National Rosacea Foundation or the Psoriasis Foundation or WebMD. These are places where I think you should go, but please stay away from that. Those are my two biggest frustrations with patients. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I try to fight the frustration. And I think in my life, I've only ever had a couple of patients that have had to sort of fire because we weren't able to come to an understanding of a patient-physician relationship. And it wasn't so much because of my frustration. It was just I felt like I couldn't give them good care because we did not have that connection. But I also have to say that, you know, I've done this for quite a while and I've seen a lot of patients. And I think I'm giving you the best advice I possibly can in this circumstance. And 95% of the time, the patient comes around. You know, 5% of the time, they want somebody that's going to tell them what they want to hear and that's not going to be me. So for those of you just tuning in, you're listening to Derm Consult on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matthew Keller, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Michael Greenberg about bedside manner. So switching gears a bit, Michael, I'd love to dive into some key strategies that can help us improve our bedside manner. Can you tell us what professional intimacy is and how it plays a role with your patients? Sure. I learned that you're supposed to have a professional distance from patients in medical school, and I think that that's just nonsense. The more human I am, the more patients can relate to me, the more patients really do better in my practice. So, for instance, I had prostate cancer 14 years ago, and I had seeds, and I'm just fine. But when a patient comes in and says, I just got diagnosed with prostate cancer, I go, yeah, I had that. Do you want to hear about my experience? And I share that with them. Or I'll share issues about my having some eczema or my having another medical problem. And patients love it. And the most intense one was a patient who came in one time and he had this terrible rash along his inguinal fold. And he said, I've had prostate surgery and I leak urine and the, and the rash is from that. And he goes, just feel awful. And I looked at him and I said, hey, did you ever see me wear tan pants to the office? And he got the message. I go, every guy who's had prostate surgery or even guys over a certain age, yeah, we leak urine. Guess what? Me too. And the patient started crying. And we had that bond of intimacy. I'm not scared to say I'm human and I've had the same problem as you. Patients love it. And that's when they really get peace of mind when they know that you're going through the same thing they are and you're okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point, you know, and I sort of try to relay that to my trainees as well, is that there's a difference between being close to the patient, having them see you as a human person, and losing your ability to be objective or their ability to see you as the physician in the kind of relationship, right? And I think that's a really important point that you sort of make. You know, sharing things about yourself is a great way to create a greater bond with your patient, and they're not going to see that as, oh, now I'm equal to you, or you're not going to be able to be objective with my care. So I think that's a great point and really a great thing to relay out to especially physicians out there that struggle with that or come up in a training environment where there really is a lot of professional distance. So as we close today, do you have any final thoughts on how we can improve our bedside manner with patients? 
Sure. I think the first thing that we need to look at is, are we really willing to do this? You know, what are we in here for? And I would review, as I do all the time, my career in medicine. I go over the past 43 years and I, I'm stunned by the number of patients I was able to help. A lot of my patients have been asking me lately, well, you're 72, are you going to retire? And I go, no, why would I do that? I get to come to work every day in a clean shirt. I get to take care of people like you who I genuinely care about. I get to help you and I get paid for this. This is insanely good. Why would I want to quit this? And so so the first thing is focus on why you're practicing medicine and what a privilege it is. And the second thing that I think is really important in improving our bedside manner is to realize that we can't fix a lot of things. I can't fix the price of medicine. I can't fix people's insurance issues. I can't fix their deductibles. And most importantly, I don't care what people see on TV with advertisements or on television shows. I can't do the impossible. And the last thing I think in improving our bedside manner with patients is to admit our humanness, that we make mistakes sometimes, that we're not perfect. So when I am going to do, for instance, a cosmetic shave of a nevus, I'm very careful to tell a patient, listen, I don't have an eraser here. I want you to have a realistic expectation. I'm going to make you better. You're already perfect. I can't make you perfect. And they, they love hearing that. So it's really a matter of presence and honesty. That's how we improve our bedside manner with patients. Well, those are all great things to keep in mind when interacting with our patients. And as that brings us to the end of today's program, I want to thank my guest and fellow ReachMD host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, for speaking with me and for sharing his approach to Bedside Manor. As always, it was a pleasure speaking with you. I feel the same way, Matthew. Let's just keep the conversation going. We're here to be physicians. We're not here to be businessmen. That's great. So for ReachMD, I'm Dr. Matthew Keller. To access this two-part discussion on Bedside Manor or to find other episodes in our series, visit ReachMD.com slash DermConsult, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thank you for listening.